Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. Welcome to this week's episode of People First. And this is an international episode because my guest this week is Digby Lee, who is a lawyer with more than 40 years experience practicing the law. And he is coming to us from Vancouver in Canada. He brings a practical, cut-to-the-chase, people-orientated approach to any solution. And I know from our earlier conversation, a little bit of fun to the legal profession too. He founded Digby Lee & Co. more than 15 years ago and recently launched Frank Fee, which we're going to be talking about in just a moment. But it's certainly shaking up the legal industry and changing the way that lawyers are billing. So he's now the co-founder of Alt-B Solutions, which is pushing the legal industry forward. So Digby, welcome to People First. Yeah, thanks so much. Really looking forward to uh, spending the next uh, 20 minutes or so uh, chatting about things with you. Well, let's go back to the beginning of your leadership journey and your origin story. So when you were a wee lad, you're sitting in middle school or in the elementary school, and the teacher says, Digby, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was your answer way back then? Uh, you know, it's really actually pretty simple. Um, of course, uh, you're in a much different space than you are when you get to my stage in your career, but there, absolutely, no doubt, it would have been sports-related. It would have been a professional athlete. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles and uh, going to watch the Dodgers during the early 60s um, when there were Koufax and Drysdale. So huge passion for sports, which coincidentally I've actually been able to follow, even though I practice law, I've coached high school basketball for 20 years, and I've been on the board of basketball BC and president and on the board of Canada basketball. So I've been able to follow my passion um, and still you know, become a lawyer. <laughs> it implies that passion and lawyering are two different things there, Digby, but I'm curious, what was the pivot point then that brought you to the law? Oh, that's uh, that's interesting. You're right. Um, I have become passionate, but I wouldn't have been passionate about it um, going into it um, back in elementary school. I'm thinking about it. Ironically, my mother uh, was a lawyer, so I did have that history and perhaps a little bit of gentle nudging in there. But uh, when I uh, finished my undergrad degree, um, oddly enough, I had two choices in my mind. Uh, one was to follow through and go to law school. And the other was to um, do my master in science in statistics because um, mm -hmm. I basically got that linear thing going in my brain that I liked that side. And I, and so, uh, but I got into law school. So it, by more by happenstance, it just seemed like the right choice. Okay. So a couple of years, so you were practicing law in-house or have you always been part of a, a larger firm? Uh, so uh, I got through law school and I did what was kind of natural, applied to the larger firms in Vancouver and ended up in the firm that my mother had worked as a lawyer at at one mm -hmm. stage. So it was kind of comfortable. And so that, that was a hundred lawyer firm. I was there for 11 years. Um, I was a partner and but I was never like when I tried to go into the future and look back, that's how I like to assess decision making. Like, would I be happy doing this or something different? And when I did, I'd look back and go, I don't think I would have wanted to do what felt like the same thing for 30 years. Um, didn't see it as 40, but <laughs> um, 
And so that encouraged me to do something different. So when my kids were six, four and two, my wife was at home with the kids. I thought it was a good idea with no clients to go and start a partnership uh, with a good friend of mine. Uh, and we did that for 13 years and then um, split that apart. And I started again with five people in 2005 with Digby Lee and Co. And we're about 30 people now. So I must like to grow things. You like to grow things. I love that. And I know you're shaking up the industry. And if there's one, I came from banking in my first career with, again, hundreds of years of tradition and triplicate paperwork and and rules and regulations. And the law is very much the same, but you're shaking it up with what you call Frank Fee. So tell us about Frank Fee and your inspiration behind that. Yeah, so I don't know for how long, but it's been for a long time. And my um, middle son, he um, was reminding me, found an old memo that I wrote to myself about four or five years ago. And I pronounced that it was right now is the right time. We had to change. We had to get away from billing by the hour. So I believed it for a long time. And then um, literally I was flying back from the U.S. on a March 16th, 2020, just as um, COVID was becoming a thing. And I thought, you know what? Now is the time. Now is when we need to create some certainty in these incredible uncertain times. Mm -hmm. so, hence the, uh, the catalyst, if you will, the drawing the line in the sand uh, that prompted us to launch Frank Fee. Um, March 16th, 2020 on an airplane and just saying, no, it's going to be now. So it's interesting, you make it sound so easy. There's the ah moment of we need to move away and provide, you say, some certain moment of certainty. But I'm sure that the implementation, let alone the reception from your clients, possibly was not as easy. So what was the reaction when you got off the plane and you went into the office the next day and you said to your partners, hey, I've got this great idea? Well, the nice thing is I don't have partners. Oh, well, there you go. So you sat there and looked in the mirror and said to yourself, yes, yeah, <laughs> I did. <laughs> Very much like that. It was, um, you know, and the good news is my son, uh, Scott, who had worked in the in our firm, was exiting the law. He did not enjoy practicing the law the way it was. And so he had availability. He had a, he has, happens to have the same passion for the topic that I have. And so that really helped having the, um, you know, capacity to do all that we had to do. So the first thing we did is we thought, hmm, let's divide all the things we do up into types of projects that we do regularly. So we took three or four practice areas and made them into 40 different project types. Mm. And then out of that, we, you know, for the, there's a number of them that are more predictable when it comes to resources, like an incorporation, like mm -hmm. a conveyancing, like a simple will preparation. You know, those are things that you're easy, it's easy to predict in there. And those prices are really very market driven. And so we're able to, like, we created a base price and then we created variables under each of the base prices by each project. And then we we added amounts for the very predictable. And so it became a little bit like a calculator. Like if we have a shareholders agreement and we have three shareholders, it's different than if we have two or if we have holding companies that are holding the shares and there's principles. They all play into um, the amount of you know, very predictable, the amount of work. 
And so we're, um, we created those. And then we also tackled the more difficult projects, what I'd call the unpredictable ones, things mm -hmm. like M&A transactions, commercial litigation as examples. And there we created um, base amounts and um, variables, not with amounts all the time, but things to think about. It might be in an M&A transaction. Who are the other advisors? Is there an M&A agent mm -hmm. on this, which would be helpful because your role would be a little bit different. So we did that. That was actually a huge process and everybody in the firm really dug in and probably took about four months to do that part. Next thing we did or concurrently, it sounds like a lawyer speaking, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> You're on vacation, Digby. Yeah, you can, yeah. you can turn it down a little. <laughs> yeah. But the, the thing that uh, I realized in doing all this is that we needed to um, draw a line in the sand. We needed to jump into the deep end as opposed to dipping our toe in. And so we hired a branding company um, who were terrific. And we ran through about 30, 40 different names. And the one that really resonated with us was Frank Fee. It was a bit descriptive, but mm -hmm. he had a bit of fun. And uh, for us, if you get onto our website, you'll see a lot of smiling faces and people that want to enjoy life as they go along. So that was a really big deal. I think it was a clear message internally that we were really doing something and externally. And mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just going to pause for a second. That's what we did to launch. And we launched on the Tuesday after Labor Day in 2020. And we're about eight or nine months into it. And but as soon as we launched, I uh, realized that this was a huge opportunity to build the I call it the Billy Bean data analytics. There's my sports coming in. Um, and so we became ruthless in terms of that sounds like a Michael Canick plug. Um, mm -hmm. We'll talk <laughs> we about became, Michael in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we became uh, ruthless in terms of every month we uh, we we debrief on what we call our outliers. And we, we look at billing realization rates, which are really our regular time cost, which is what people that bill by the hour would bill at and what we actually bill. And we look at the ones that are less than a certain threshold and those that are above. And then everybody that works on those is given a drop down box, you know, menu in which they debrief on it and, and make commitments about changing our system. So, that's the long-term win for the law firms is to create that culture of continuous uh, improvement, which, yeah. you know, we've kind of added as we've gone on. I'll stop talking for a second. <laughs> well, I love that because I know from my own practice, when I started Sky Team 14 years ago, I was reading the works of Alan Weiss, who is a big proponent of value-based fees. And I remember introducing that fixed project fees from the get-go and yet having the naysayers saying, well, you can't do that. You're too small. Everybody else is doing it by the hour. But my mindset was, well, that's always crazy because in theory, at its worst, an hourly rate incentivizes me to work slow so that I can bill you more. Or it penalizes me because my team and I are so very good and can get things done quickly. Why am I receiving less than the person who takes an extra 10 hours or whatever on the project. So the idea of the value-based fees is it's not the work effort per se, it's the impact that we're having and how is it moving the needle for the client? But of yeah, course, then you've got to track it. Sorry, Digby, carry on. I know, it's okay. You were uh, talking. I um, It's a real, um, to try to get to value is an art. Mm -hmm. And it's very much 
uh, contrary to the type of person that gravitates to practicing law. We generally tend to be very strong linear thinkers like, you know, we can't skip A plus B equals C. We go through it all and that's the rigorous legal analyst. And so Mm -hmm. pricing is a is a very um, it's very much an art. And it takes a lot of patience and it takes um, it takes some um, it kind of got to be a bit brave. you got to be like, it's OK if I don't get paid for the pricing. It's OK if um, I don't recover all the time I spent on this file. You have to actually adapt. And so, you know, I I follow a process that I picked up from uh, actually another podcaster. And it was like ask these three questions um, of you know, have a robust conversation with what success look like for the client. Okay. They determine value. You don't determine value. It's yeah. value, perceived value from them. But yeah, maybe ask these questions like, why do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. Why do you want to do it now? Mm-hmm. And why do you want me to do it? And the last question I find is really a compelling one because often there's a warm referral that's come or there's a story behind it and you get, and you really are able to unearth like what you, why someone would want you to do it. And so, um, so you asked earlier about, I think uh, like you must've had, you know, um, challenges or something yeah. or obstacles with clients. And I can't think of one instance in the last nine months where I've had a client push back at all. Every mm-hmm. once in a while we reach the price point where, yeah. where it doesn't make sense in terms of their budget, but not in terms of the concept. Like, and, uh, so I, it's, I just think that I just get a lot of voice. Our clients are, I think, thrilled. Yeah. Uh, it's more challenging internally because you're asking people to go away from their comfort zone. They just want to know what the price is and mm-hmm. you're asking them to have conversations about money up front mm-hmm. and that's uncomfortable. And so that's the real shift. But once you've had it, it's done. Well, and, yeah, you're right. Once money's off the table, we get to do the fun work, which is the thing we're going to deliver, and nobody's worrying about who's picking up the phone to who and is the meter running. 100%. And, uh, you know, if you sit back and you reflect on the stakeholders, uh, there's the clients, mm-hmm. there's the lawyers or other staff, the people that work in the business that care very much about what their day-to-day is like, and there's the law firm, if you were, were the profit um, all settles at the end of the day. So for the clients, they got price certainty. Um, hard to think of a disadvantage unless they thought in some way you were taking advantage of a new system. Yeah. Um, but they, but certainty and budgeting and having uh, robust conversations about scope of work and what success looks like, um, all for free, because if you don't land the project, you don't get paid, yeah. seems like a pretty good thing for yeah. the um, for the lawyers, the it's for anybody that's entering the industry, it's really tough because in a lot in a lot of firms, your value is primarily determined by how many hours you work. Mm-hmm. And so the only way to be more valuable to your employer is to work more hours. And that's why you see some pretty crazy uh, examples of you know, 16 hours a day, seven days a week, yeah. repeat, rinse and repeat, keep doing it. And for the law firm, what I really like about it is that it really motivates you to create great systems, to um, relook at your pricing, to look at resource allocation. Like uh, there's, if you're getting paid by the hour, what tends to, the highest billing rate person 
tends to get the work and does a lot mm-hmm. of the work, whereas this actually encourages the opposite, like a paralegal will take the project as far as he or she yeah. could, and then the lawyer does the lawyering. And so that's um, so I really feel like for all three stakeholders, it's it's a, it's a real win. Yeah, I love the fact that you touched there on the moving away from the number of hours worked as the measure of success and utilisation rates as opposed to the the full quality of life. And ultimately, there is a finite buffer of how many hours there are in a week, let alone how many hours you can stay awake and effectively deliver a product. So as you look to the future, I know the legal industry is being um, transformed from inside, like you are, Um, but also from new providers who are providing, you know, the online legal advice, et cetera. So it's having a huge impact on how and where we access legal professionals. How are you influencing it? I mean, we've got Frank Fee, but you've got Alt Fee as well as your um, side business. So tell me more about Alt Fee. Yeah. So I'm being, for at one point I called it my side hustle, but it's more than a side hustle. Um, my two sons, Digby and Scott, and myself uh, co-founded a company called Alt Fee, and our project is to create a pricing solution for the legal industry. And we know how difficult it is, having gone through it ourselves. And so we're in the process right now of um, working toward a beta launch sometime in the probably late summer, early fall, and um, providing a um, a pricing tool. Um, that lawyers and law firms will be able to use, which will have a, a knowledge management component and a collaborative aspect too, which is really testing the legal industry to be collaborative internally because we can tend to operate siloed. Mm-hmm. So I, we mentioned Michael earlier on, and our mutual friend, Michael Kanick, is how you and I got introduced. He's the author of Ruthless Consistency. But I'm curious, what role have professional relationships played in your success? Oh, um, there, you know, I feel so fortunate to have so many incredible people in my life that I've met through the practice of law in the last 40 years. And our our business model within Digby Lee & Co. is uh, very much relationship-driven. We Every new opportunity comes from a relationship that we have, either an existing client or a referral you know, probably to about 95 plus percent. And so, you know, people like Michael, who is a terrific person that I've sat on boards with and a lot, and a lot of people within the accounting industry, the banking industry, um, uh, just, uh, just have been amazing referral resources for us. And really they're the enjoyment. Like I think we started a while ago talking about passion well, I, I think as I've learned, my passion for sports has really evolved into a passion for people. And I love having con- my clients all have to they have to talk to me before I start. I want to know how they're doing. Like, really, how are you doing? How has COVID affected you? And I, mm-hmm. I think that like really being able to connect on a deeper level is, um, you know, the real enjoyment I've got from the practice of law. So. I love it. You talked earlier um, about uh, your early career. If you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a really interesting answer. Okay. Is I love my journey. I, I, I am one of those people that don't want to be anybody else. Like I don't know why. Maybe I'm just, um, I'm not very critical of myself. <laughs> and uh, but I've, uh, 
you know, I, you know, all the different things and there's definitely been bumps, but, um, you know, I, I don't really, like, I, I love the fact that I've been, I've been in the large firm. I had a lot of success. I met a lot of friends and had an, the firm treated me so well, like it was crazy. And then I started this with a friend, another business with a friend of mine, and we had literally no clients. And then four months later, I land virtually the largest insolvency file ever in the province up to that time. Like mm-hmm. I'm not even sure how that happened. You know, I, I do. And I, I do know, but, um, and then to give all that up when I was turning 50 and say, no, 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 I want to kind of start again. Um, the workplace culture was really important to me and I felt like we'd fumbled a little bit going through. So I started again, um, with a lady named Wendy Allen, who is our CEO now and has worked with me for 24 years. And we have a lot of what we do now is premised on creating an amazing place to work. I subscribe to um, David Maesters, if anybody's heard of him, his theory that, and he's a stats guy, so, and, and uh, but happy, um, happy uh, employees correlates positively to happy clients, which correlates positively to, to profit. And so I believe if we really dwell, you have to pick your poison, we pick it around, um, you know, the environment that our people work in. So say more about that. How do you bring fun and happiness into your practice? Oh, it's a little tougher now with uh, with all the uh, isolation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but we found ways to do virtually what we used to do in, in uh, life. But I think I bring kind of my joy for life, if you will, by kind of like being that upbeat, positive, like this is really cool. Everybody having fun. Like it's weird, right? After 40 years of what, might be considered a grind at times. Um, I just have been very, um, very fortunate to have an upbeat um, mm-hmm. personality. And I see the positives and the opportunities and things like that. It's, you know, people could call me naive, but it's what's in my brain. Uh, you're speaking my language. I shared with you before, we have eight corporate values at Sky Team. Four of them are connected to fun. And the intent is not that it's um, rose-tinted glasses all the time. I think to your to your words, we need the grind on occasion so that we can appreciate the happier times. And you can't have one without the other. But my hope is that we can spend more time in the having fun because life is short. And if we're not having fun, my take is we're doing it wrong. hundred percent. Like I, I literally, I could, if I could have used your words, I would use them and that would describe exactly how I look at things and, and look at here I am. Um, obviously older than my, uh, than in my twenties. And I have found a way to kind of, uh, to journey through and to keep that mindset that, you know, ultimately it's about happiness and fun and people like people are so cool and their ideas are so cool. And, and we've lost a lot of it. You were talking earlier about online solutions and Mm -hmm. the legal industry. And there is no substitute really for the human connection and the, you know, I, it really in, in law, we're not, we're, we're not looking for the answer, the legal, we're actually looking for someone we can trust. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you want someone to go, if at the end they say, I know you have my back, like you're done. Like that's all that you want to achieve because the, there isn't a right answer. There's always choices and there's pros and cons. And your hope is that in the end, your client feels 
you know, positive and comforted and, you know, that they've done what they, what should be done and that you've been part of getting them there. So No, but it's it's powerful because I certainly go back to the start of my career, which is now 32 years old, and talking about these sort of things was not done. In the bank, it was like, leave your emotions at the door. It's not personal. It's business. But what you've just eloquently shown there is it doesn't matter what industry we're in. It's the human connection that matters. And when I leave this interaction, do I feel like you had my back? Even if I don't like the answer you've given me, do I believe you had my back? And that's how we grow a sustainable business. That's how we grow the relationships, the friendships, et cetera, that help us to navigate the grit and the grind and enjoy the fun days. So big beat. That actually gets into like just the pricing strategy just for a moment. And Mm -hmm. so if you believe that trust is built over a long period of time and, you know, it requires vulnerability often to build that trust, then you have to be really patient. And so often as a way around on the very complex transactions, I'll pick a tiny segment, kind of a review and investigation, and I'll pick a very gentle price. And I'll say, I'm going to look at what you've got, and I'm going to come back to you, and I'm going to present a plan you know, mm-hmm. for discussion. And that's going to cost X. And mm-hmm. then, and I said, after that, you can decide how's the fit? How did it work? Mm-hmm. You know, did I do what I said I was going to do? And I'll also get a chance to see how you are, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a two-way fit. And so I think that, um, you know, even in a complex world, you can have fixed fee pricing, agreed upon pricing up front and make it work. And just you got to recognize it that it's not all one big swoop. It's not like, okay, now you trust me. It's Mm -hmm. over like continuously like, yeah, you showed up every time. That, that, you know, you really did show up. You really did answer your phone calls and you actually sounded like you wanted to talk to me, which puts you in the top 10 percentile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, Digby, I am appreciative of the fact that whilst you're on holiday, you you showed up here today. I've enjoyed our conversation. And for those listening who may be needing legal support within your province or uh, near you, how do they get hold of you? Yeah, so probably the easiest is um, at our website, which is www.leigho.ca. And if you're in the legal industry and you're interested in what we're up to, then um, if you go to um, our alt fee website, um, which is alt, A-L-T, fee, um, dot com. <laughs> no, I don't have to get that out as often off the top of my head. So I, I think I got that right. Hey, I will go check it and we will make sure that all of that information is included in the show notes here. But Digby, I look forward to watching how that conversation unfolds and the ripple effects of the Frank Fee approach that you've adopted. But again, thank you for sharing your time and your insights with people first. Yeah, well, thank you, Marek. It was really, it was, um, it's, I'm so passionate about it. I love the opportunity to just like share. I'm a, I don't want to be a thought leader. I want to be a thought sharer. Ooh, and on that note, thanks again. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, 
or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.